jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for oh! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, you can also text us at 315-288-0644. The SU football team, of course, on a bye week. It's a good week for that. We've got some SU basketball to talk about today. It is a good week for the bye. There's so much. I feel like there's just so much happening right now with SU basketball kicking off, uh, with the Giants imploding on themselves, the Bills at an interesting point with Josh Allen. It, feel like, it feels like there's enough to get to get you through. It's it's not the first week of September like, like right. we've had in the past, right? Right. And we will get to SU football Next week, it'll be game week, getting ready for homecoming in North Carolina, coming to the Dome, and a very important game. But today we're talking a lot of SU basketball. We'll have Mike Waters on at 1230 to talk about the men's team. We'll have Coach Q on at the top of hour number two. Uh, his women's team, just like Jim Beham, returning all five starters, high expectations for the women. Uh, both teams expected to open up the year in the top 25. The women have their media day at 2.30. The men will follow at 4. And as you heard Tommy just mentioned, there will be the orange versus white scrimmage inside the Dome tonight featuring the SU men. Uh, the women will have their uh, meet and greet with the fans uh, tomorrow morning at 11.30. They'll have a scrimmage and then some ice cream afterwards uh, for all the fans in attendance. But we open the show today uh, with some NFL. Week 6 of the NFL season kicking off last night. Uh, the Eagles very much looking like the favorites in the NFC East. They improved to 3-3. Three and three. They blow out the Giants 34-13. And the Giants are in a whole lot of trouble Eli Manning looks done. Saquon Barkley did some great things. Odell Beckham Jr. can't get the ball. Uh, this team is 1-5. and five. And as you said before the show, how in the world does an offense with Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley only score 13 points? And it, it is a great question. It is unbelievable. It is mind-blowing. And, and I saw this stat last night, and I thought this was uh, shocking to me. I would have thought somebody did it. Saquon Barkley finished with 130 rushing yards and 99 receiving yards. He would have been the first player in Giants history to reach 100 rushing and 100 receiving in the same game had he had he gotten one more receiving yard over the course of the game. He is such a dynamic player, such a great player, and I don't want I don't want that to be lost in anything I've said over the last 6 months about Saquon Barkley because I love the player Saquon Barkley. I love the athlete, the running back, the the things he can do on the field. I love everything about that with Saquon Barkley. But he's also not a quarterback. And you look at the Eagles' running backs, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, when were they drafted? Right? When were they picked up? They you know, one of them was an undrafted free agent. Like these are guys who who are I won't say just as explosive or just as effective, but 
plenty explosive and plenty effective, and you're not paying them $8 million and spending a first-round pick on them. And and I think that that's what was lost this offseason with the Giants draft. Now, of course, you look at it big. You look at it now when there's even more hindsight and six more games of saying, "Hey, well, maybe Eli Manning is done." But I I don't know how I don't know how people watching the Giants didn't know that last year. I, I don't know how uh, really the only people who who didn't know that was ownership. The only people who didn't know that was ownership, and that's why they went and hired Dave Gettleman and not somebody else. All right, there's a lot to get to with this. Let let me start with your first point about Barkley and you know, you look at the Eagles running backs and they're serviceable and they're getting the job done and they're not paying, you know, they're running backs all this money that Barkley's getting and, and so on and so forth. I'll say this about Saquon Barkley. I know you're upset that that the Giants didn't draft a quarterback. Yes. This kid is special. Unbelievable. He, he is. Now, you know, Todd Gurley went in the first round. Ezekiel Elliott. Like Sometimes sure. you have to take a running back in, in the first round if you want a special running back. I think Saquon Barkley is going to be special. Don't you, don't you think that when those teams drafted those players, they were more finished products? The teams. Oh, the teams. Like Dallas, Absolutely. Dallas was a more finished product when they drafted Ezekiel Absolutely. Elliott than the Giants were this past draft. So two separate conversations. I'm talking about the player, Saquon Barkley. I think... He didn't make a ton of sense for the Giants this year. I get that. I know you're upset about the quarterback, but but just the single individual player, Saquon Barkley, incredible. is special. He's Todd Gurley, he's Ezekiel Elliott, and the, and the Eagles don't have that. Like the Eagles don't have that guy, so they have this weapon. They have Odell Beckham Jr., who is special. Yes, and they have they have these weapons. To your point, though, and it, and you can't ignore it. To your point, they don't have a quarterback, and in this league, you need a quarterback. So if you had a quarterback. Then yes, it would have made a lot of sense to take Saquon Barkley. So uh, we're going to get back to the quarterback situation in a second. But the Giants, one in five, they are going nowhere this year. Right. And the the suggestion has been made by more than a few people. If you're the Giants, do you consider at some point this year shutting down Saquon Barkley because he is a running back and because he is special I had not and seen because you cannot win? Do you at some point? I'm not saying it's at one in five. But if you're two and eight and you've been eliminated, and oh by the way, you want to improve your chances to get a, a top pick anyway, do you shut him down and save the miles on the tires because he is a running back and you know this kid is special? That's a that's an interesting idea. I had not seen that suggestion. I will say that I don't think leaving Saquon Barkley on the field or shutting him down will be the difference between too many draft picks. I think Fair that, point. I think that that has been painfully obvious through five weeks that Saquon Barkley himself being on the field is not going to result in four more wins. Uh, but that being said, that is a really interesting idea to to say, hey, this guy's a running back. We know he's only got X number of bullets in his chamber. We know he's only got a, a limited shelf life. Let's just shut him down. I don't know that Saquon Barkley would be cool with that. Like, I don't know that Saquon Barkley would be like, yeah, let's do it. I don't... And all... Also, he's the one thing that you've got going for you, right? He's he's the one intriguing attraction that you've got on this team. No, and Odell outside Beckham of Odell Jr. Beckham right. Jr. But but Odell Beckham Jr. is dependent on somebody else. Saquon Barkley is not as dependent on somebody else. Saquon Barkley ran for 130 yards last night behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. Odell Beckham Jr. needs Eli Manning to get him the ball, and as we saw last night. That's not happening. That's that's not happening the way that it should. I mean, there were times when Eli underthrew him or overthrew him or whatever it might have been. So I think that Saquon Barkley is a guy that you probably want to keep on the field because if you take him off the field, and, and it would be waving a white flag, 
I don't think that you want to do that. I, I think that you want to at least. I'm not saying give now. Off the, no, no, no. I'm no, saying definitely not. I'm now. saying maybe you're two saying and eight or two and ten, and you're, you're saying you've like got a, four games left. You're saying like Christmas. Yeah, you got like two, three games left. Like, eh, shut them down. Maybe I could see it for the last week or two of the season. I don't think you do it before that. I think. I think honestly, what this season becomes is, hey, let's try and get him the rookie of the year, right? If we, if we just, I'm not sure they're gonna do, have to try. The no, kid I think is he's unbelievable. Going to, but that's my point. Did right? we not predict just, this, by the way? Me and you, we both said, like, from a fantasy perspective, incredible. we said yes. he's he is going to be, it's it's <laughs> yes. his award. I mean, he is going to win the Rookie of the Year award. Exactly. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. And those two runs in particular, the one on the screen pass that didn't go for a touchdown Unreal. where he broke, like, eight tackles, and then the one where he did take it to the house where he just showed off his speed. Once he got into open space, he was gone. Uh, he is he is awfully fun to watch. This thing, and I know you're furious that the Giants didn't take yes. a quarterback. Can I say furious? I am. Yeah. You are furious the Giants didn't take because, a quarterback. Only because I think everybody saw this coming. Like Everybody in the world except John Mara and Dave Gettleman knew this. Will you still be furious if this if this works out perfectly for you? And they get in Justin that, Herbert? Exactly. Like, will you still no. be angry? Or, or will you say, you know, maybe they did have a plan. Maybe well, they <laughs> knew. Hey, we'll take Barkley. We can't pass on Barkley. No, this is, is a two-year plan, not a one-year no, plan. No, that is such a garbage. That is okay. such a garbage theory. I had somebody else in the office ask me this before, and I and I was just like, "What are you saying?" It's like the that Sixers, is, right? No, Trust no, the process. No, no, but that happened Be bad on purpose. Like that years happened on row. purpose. The Giants drafted Saquon Barkley because they said they thought Eli Manning was good enough. Like they they can't go back after being two and fourteen again this year and said, "Hey, it all worked out. We got our quarterback anyway." That's not how it works. I would also say that. If you are two and fourteen again, and you have another top three pick, then you still messed up because there are still so many positions more valuable than a running back. Get a quarterback and an edge rusher. Get a quarterback and a left tackle. Get anything else. It is more valuable than a running back, even an all-world generational talent like Saquon Barkley. He's awesome. He's fun to watch. He's a great contributor. He's a piece that you get for a team that you think is ready to compete. He's a piece that you get for a team that lost a player due to injury all year, and it just wiped out your season. If you were the Colts, if you were the Colts and you lost Andrew Luck for the entire season, and that's why your season was a mess, but you knew Andrew Luck was coming back, you knew he was going to be healthy. That's a perfect team to go take uh, a Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Not a team like this that has so many other needs. It's a fair point. I just I wanted to get your thoughts on that because this might end up working out perfectly it for might. the Giants. It, it might. might. And that's why I said, do you shut him down at some point? You said a game or two. I'm, I'm talking about maybe a month. Do you, you shut him down for a month to six weeks at the end of the season? And and we don't have to discuss that now, but it has been thrown out there, and it's an interesting thing to think about. This team is not going anywhere. If you sit him, that improves your chances of losing more games. But and does you, it? you save some it? miles on the tires. To, I, think, I, mean, I think the bigger thing is that you're saving miles, because I think we've seen over the first month and a half of the season, the first six weeks, Saquon Barkley can go out and do things that have quite literally never been done before in a Giants uniform, and it doesn't matter, because your offense is still going to score 13 points. Right? So... He can go out there and he can have nearly a historic night as far as Giants uniforms go. And it doesn't matter because the rest of that offense is so inept and the rest of that offense can't do anything and the defense can't stop anybody, especially after they're being put in in two short fields to start the game. And at at the end of the night, it doesn't matter that he's got 230 all-purpose yards. It just doesn't matter. 
So does it, does that make enough of a difference to say, hey, shut them down? Other than to say we want to we want to save something well, on the right. on the tires. The idea behind it would be to save him and to keep him from injury and to save you know some miles on the tires, so to speak. And and listen, if you're going to win some games, it's going to be because of Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. If you take one of them off the field again, that increases your chances of losing games. I understand your point. I'm just saying, if you take Barkley off the field. It, it helps you. It's a win-win for a lot of a lot of reasons, except for the fans, right? It's a win-win because you're able to save him. You lose more games. You get a higher draft pick, and and you know trust the process, uh, Seth. In terms of Eli Manning, um, I would trust the process if I thought there was one. If you if you thought they knew what they if were I, doing, if I if I thought that they had a plan, I would trust it. That's fair. Uh, Eli Manning last night, 24 for 43, had a pick, sack four times, and just continued to dump the ball off, dump the ball off. We've seen that time you, and time did again. Did you see the clip of Shermer? Yes. Pat Shermer is sitting on the, the sideline, and he's just like, throw the ball. So, no, this isn't the offense. The offense is not check it down to Saquon Barkley every play. The, the offense is not throw screen passes and dump offs every play. I would imagine the offense is not let's throw to the fourth string tight end in double coverage at the goal line on on plays. I would think those things aren't in the playbook that I, Pat I came across is trying to throw out there. I came across two stats I thought were very telling uh, in regards to Eli Manning. So his his average throw in the air in relation to the first down marker, okay, I don't know if you saw this or not, but his average throw in the air in relation to the first down marker is uh, two and a half yards short of the marker, which is fourth lowest in the NFL. So he's he's throwing it before the marker, and he's, he's having his guys make plays. We saw that time and time again last night with Odell Beckham Jr. And he would throw like two, and, two or three yep. yards short, Odell Beckham Jr., and have to make the first guy miss and, and pick up the first down when they actually did pick up the first down. The other stat that I found very telling is that he's, he's only thrown the ball 24 times this year in the air, 20 or more yards downfield. And he's 7 for 24 on those throws. His accuracy on those throws, 20 or more yards downfield, third worst in the NFL behind Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. It is time to turn the page on Eli Manning. We know that. You knew it last year. It's becoming increasingly obvious this year. And so with that being said... The other topic to come out of this game is, if you are the Giants, how do you gracefully move on from this? And maybe you can't gracefully move on from it anymore, but how how does this come to an end? Do you just play out the year? You played Davis Webb last December instead right. of Geno Smith. I know, and, and I know that you're furious. You can't go back, though. No. You can't go back. You can only go forward. No, so at you, this point, moving can't forward. can't you learn from last December? You can. You've got to, the, the way so you make So that's what I'm asking you. Is 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 when and, and at what point it does that move happen? That's the that's the money question. That's the money question. But I th- I think that the answer to how you make this move is that the guy, the next person to take a snap as quarterback of the New York Giants, other than Eli Manning, the next person to take a snap as quarterback of the New York Giants has to be Kyle Lalletta, not Alex Tanny. It's it's got to be Kyle Lalletta because this is the same problem that they ran into last year. They went to Geno Smith, and Geno Smith was a laughing stock. Geno Smith was the guy who got punched in the face. Geno Smith, you know, what was was this just joke kind of you know a a punchline in New York, and and now he's sitting there behind Eli Manning, and he might have been the better option than Davis Webb, but you didn't. Nobody had any legitimate thought that Geno Smith was going to be the quote-unquote quarterback of the future and now Davis Webb's not on an NFL roster but there was thought that he might have been at this time last year and so I think that you've got to do that this year you've got to go to the guy that you think might be the quarterback for the next five or ten or however many years and on this roster that's Kyle Lalletta that is you know 
the the guy that you spent a fourth round draft pick on. That is the guy who was relatively highly touted and and quote unquote fell in the draft to you in the fourth round. He's got to be the guy to be to play quarterback for the Giants next. I would be shocked if it happened before the bye week. I think they've got a week uh, a week eight bye or yeah, week one nine more game bye. and then the bye. Yeah, week eight bye. So I would be surprised if it happened before that. But, you know, you've got a long week here. You've got 10 days before your next day. Get him ready. You've got a bye week after that game. So get him ready over the next so three it's, weeks. So the time and is now, essentially, th- is what you're I saying. I think so. I, I really do. How about this stat? You mentioned his his air yards, right? Eli Manning averaged 3.3 air yards per completion yesterday. That's He's nothing. 3.3 only quarterbacks to have two games in the bottom 15, that's under three and a half air yards per completion uh, this year, is Eli Manning. Uh, do you happen to know, by the way, and I'm only throwing this out because I'm sure you know the answer to this. Do you know who has the fewest air yards per completion in a game this season? Got to be Josh Allen, right? Uh, Nathan Peterman. But yes. Oh, Nathan Peterman. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to say it had to be Bills related. So, so that's the only reason why I threw that name out. But like that's that's what we're talking about here with Eli Manning. He does not throw the ball downfield and all of a sudden you're not your offense is not a threat to go do anything. So can Kyle Lalletta or or whoever else you've got on this roster, can they be that threat? But given the way it it happened last year and given the way fans revolted and given the way that everything just blew up in the face of Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo because let's face it, as bad as things were going, their handling of benching Eli Manning is what got those two fired. As bad as it was going, that's what got them fired. Kyle Lalletta has to be the guy to take over and not Alex Tanney, not somebody else you bring in. It's got to be a guy that you think has a future on this team and you are quote-unquote testing before seeing if you want to take somebody early next year. All right, I'm not done with this. We're going to talk about this on the other side of the break. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to talk some Giants. We're going to talk plenty of SU basketball on the show today. Mike Waters at 1230. Coach Q coming up at 1 o'clock. We're just getting started on a Friday edition of Orange Nation back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation 315-437-7644. We'll, we'll get to some SU basketball talk in the next segment uh, with Mike Waters, but I want to wrap up uh, the Giants talk here, Seth. And, and again, so much to get to from last night's game. One thing we have not touched on, Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously made a spectacle of himself uh, last week, made himself the story, did that interview with Lil Wayne and Josina Anderson and you know said that there was a problem on offense and pointed the finger at Eli Manning and, and all that uh, all that stuff. Uh, last night we saw him frustrated, and we understand why he's frustrated. We saw him last night leave the field with one play left in the first half. Giants had the ball. They end up throwing it uh, short to Shepard. He picked up whatever it was, 20 yards. They run into the locker room. Um, I think they picked up like 40. No, it was a 20-yard game. Yeah. Uh, and I know that because I was playing against Shepard last night. So I know oh, it was a 20-yard okay. pickup. Um, but in any event... Wow, so you really hate that, that yardage. Yeah, well, yeah, that was that was useless yardage. Um, but in any event, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. leaves the field and said afterwards he was getting an IV. Number one, I, I don't buy that. Said he wanted to get a head start on the IV. Number one, I don't buy the fact that he went in there to get an IV. Number two... Um, I don't buy the fact that, that going in there 12 seconds before everyone else is going to make a big difference at the end of the day. It's <laughs> yeah. just a, it's a bad look. It's not doing anything It's a bad look. And, I, and again, as a Giants fan, I wanted to get your thoughts on Beckham leaving the field early again. Did it last week as well, and he did it this week, and it's just it's a bad look. 
It is. No, it's it's a really bad look. I, I think that leaving the field early is one of those things that you just don't do. You know, I've I've been relatively okay with most of what Odell Beckham Jr. has done. Um, you know, again, I said earlier in the week, hey, maybe don't do an, an interview where you're bashing your team. But, you know, I, I get wanting to get those frustrations out, wanting to vent. Um, but leaving the field early to me seems like one of those things that you just kind of, you know, don't do. I'm willing to give him a pass for the yelling on the sideline. I'm willing to give him a pass for, you know, headbutting a, a, a fan on the sideline to try to, not a not a person, like a like a, a wind fan on the sideline to try and, uh, to try and you know, get amped up or, or whatever he was trying to do. I'll, I'll give him a pass for all of that stuff. Um, I don't think that leaving the field early is a very good look. I, I think that it's... Um, you don't want to say that you're quitting on your team, but it's a sign of it. And I understand the frustration. I really do. I mean, if you, if your coworkers were all as incompetent and inept as as his are, I, I think that you would get frustrated at them too. I, I think that you would reach that boiling point. And it leads to a larger question of why he signed the contract extension uh, when he could have gone and gotten that money from nearly anybody in, in the NFL. But... He decided to stick around, and he decided to sign that contract extension. And I think that you've got to factor and, and think about those kinds of things when you look at him leaving the field early last night. That's one of those things that I just don't think you do. I think you should stay on the sideline, stay with your team. I don't buy that he was getting an IV, and I certainly don't think that going in 10 seconds early is going to help. Him. And, I, and I'll say this, too. Uh, if you're the leader, I'm fine if you want to get in people's faces. I mean, people praise Tom Brady for the way he gets people's faces. Exactly. LeBron James, he'll he'll go after his teammates, he'll challenge them, but he does it. He is the, the bona fide leader of that team, and you know he walks the walk and he talks the talk. The thing with Odell Beckham is that it's it's fine if you want to talk the talk and say that you're the leader, but walk the walk as well. The one guy on that field that maybe could make something happen with 10 seconds left Him. is Odell Beckham Jr. And even though the chances are slim... He, he, I would rather they throw it out to him and see if he can make a play than anyone else, Saquon Barkley included. So for him to leave the field with 10 seconds left and say, you know, yeah, you know, when I was yelling at everybody, I'm just trying to fire everybody up. I'm trying to win this game. And, you know, I, I was going to take care of myself at halftime, get a, a head start in the IV. No, like if the Eagles have the ball, fine. You have the ball. You have one play. You're not going to kneel down. Like if they were going to kneel down, fine. Well, they they you, weren't going to kneel down. And you just made a, a really interesting clarification. If the Eagles have the ball, he waited until the Giants got the ball right. back exactly. to go in. Exactly. They he said, oh, okay, it's he, one play. I'm going to the locker room. He didn't go in as the Eagles were like going downfield, marching towards that field goal try. He, you know, okay, if he did that, I, I would almost get it. Oh, okay, maybe like you don't think you're getting the ball back. You actually think there's a legitimate head start to be had by going in with, you know, a minute and a half left or a minute left in that game in, in the half. Fine, whatever. I still don't buy that you were going in to get an IV, but that's besides the point. But going in with two seconds left or four, or ten seconds left when your team now has the ball and you know you're not taking a knee, that's to me where you lose me. It sends a bad message. It's a bad look to everyone else. I think it's a bad look to your team. And if you truly are the leader, you don't do that. I agree. You you walk the walk and you talk the talk. And he says he's a leader. He's got to act like he's a leader. He does. No, and, and that comes with signing that contract extension that he signed. That that comes with taking all the money. And that because comes like with I, doing an interview like he well, did last week. Yes. If you are it's going all, to do that all interview, part of the same package. then you need to back it up. You need to take care of your job on the field. Not to say that he that he does. I mean, he was he was fine last night. What, he had like six catches for about 50 yards, a shade below 50 yards. Um, 
And you're right. He's dependent Six on someone else. Yeah, he's dependent on someone else. So he needs Eli to get him the ball. When Eli doesn't get him the ball, that's a problem. So I'm not saying he's not doing his job on the field, but the the whole leadership part, like if you're willing to spout off about your quarterback, you know, you better be the leader of this team. And when he does things like that last night, uh, to me that indicates he's not the true leader of this team. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Rob and Brewerton kicking us off today on the show. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Yeah, a couple of things I just wanted to touch on quick. First of all, I think uh, Barkley is going to go down as the best running back in Giants history, and he's a future Hall of Famer right off the bat. I, this guy, he reminds me of Barry Sanders a little bit. You know, just the way he can cut and spin and, and the speed he has to get past guys. is I've, I, I haven't seen guys like, like this guy in a long time. Um, <clears throat> another thing, you know, I think uh, – the Shermer or whatever is the head coach there, you know, I think a lot of this blame falls on his shoulders. You know, Eli's never been a pocket quarterback ever, or a, a scrambler, excuse me. He's never been a scrambler. He's always been a pocket quarterback. You know, Eric Flowers was a giant, giant stain on that line for years. And for them not to realize that, and, and change that at the beginning of the year at off season, that's a huge mistake. Um, I also think this team's still kind of hung over from Jerry Reese, to be honest with you. Um, you know, a lot of this was, you know, a lot of these guys were from his era. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad to see this team with the way it is. Like you guys were saying, they got probably the best running back in the league. They got probably the best receiver, even though he's a pre-Madonna and he's, you know, a attention uh, you know, hound. You know, it'd be nice to see him mature and grow up a little bit. You know, the guy, he can make all these fabulous one-hand catches. But when it you know, I didn't watch much of the game last night, but the game last week they played, you know, this guy's wide open and with two hands, it's, it's dropping the ball. So I think he needs to put his pride aside a little bit and be more of a team player. But uh, I just want to throw that in. You guys have a good one. All right. Thanks for checking in, Rob. Seth, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, the, I think the team is, I, I think saying they're hungover from Jerry Reese makes a lot of sense. They were put behind the eight ball by 10 years of him uh, leading the team. Uh, I, I said this when they cut Eric Flowers earlier this week. One player from the draft class three years ago still on the roster. That's just not acceptable. I think Saquon Barkley's awesome. I think we've known forever that Eli Manning is not a not a – anything but a pocket passer and I'll say this and I think this is the easiest way to sum up what has happened to Eli Manning I think the football I think the game of football has passed him by I think that the game of football has changed so much that it's it's simply passed Eli Manning by and he's not somebody that at age 38 or 39 or or however old he is now and is going to get older he's not somebody who's going to adjust to that style I believe he turns 38 in January so he's uh he's getting up there and yeah. I, I would agree with you and think- he's not and he's not Tom Brady he's not in that shape correct all right, we got to take a time out. We'll get to Mike Waters on the other side. Keep it here. We'll be right back. Our take on the day's top stories. It's Today's Business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amour CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Tommy. What's up, Tommy? How's it going? Good. Not, well. not so good for Didi, though, huh? Not good at all. So I mentioned it in my update, Didi Gregorius had an MRI yesterday. And he will need Tommy John surgery on his right elbow, so his throwing elbow. And uh, Aaron Boone and, and GM Brian Cashman think that he'll be back for the summertime. So about 
June, July, August is what is what Brian Cashman actually said. A three month span. So you said that to me during the break. I said, "Well, that's a big difference." It, it is, is June first opposed to August thirtieth. <laughs> I mean, that is a that's Huge a difference. that's a big difference. Um, and it is his his throwing arm, which I think is a little more concerning. I realize he's not a pitcher, um, but this isn't his his off arm. You know, his, his glove like arm. Like last is, year, right? This is his throwing arm. So I think they need to. Going into next year with the understanding there's a real possibility that he's he's not going to be there. It'd be nice for them to get him back. It sounds like they expect him back at some point, but don't you almost have to approach it as if we're not going to have DD and when he comes back, do. it'll yeah. be a nice addition. Plan for worst think, case scenario. Yeah, yeah, I think you've got a plan that he's not going to be on the team and that he's not going to be a piece for you. Um, you you know you they say that they expect him back in nine months or or eight months or whatever it is. And the Tommy John process isn't as rigorous for a position player than a than a, that it is for a pitcher because obviously you know you use your arm a little bit more importantly as as a pitcher than you do as a position player. But that being said, he's a shortstop. He's still got to be able to throw the ball. He's still got to get his arm up to a a certain point. Um, and there are still the same ba- uh, potential uh, setbacks that a pitcher has. There are the same potential you know speed bumps that the the pitchers have. And uh, I don't know that it's as simple as saying, well, it'll be nice and clean and, and they'll get him in, they'll get him out, and, and he'll be back. Uh, to me, the, the first place my thought went, and this shows I'm a Yankee fan, the first place my, th- my, my head went was, all right, Manny Machado. <laughs> that is the first place my Problem mind solved, went. Right? That yep. is the first place my mind went. Uh, maybe not to play shortstop. I, I don't think he's a shortstop. But to re- just replace D.D. Gregorius on this team, Manny Machado. All right. Figure it out. Yes. Find a place for him. Shortstop, third base, whatever. Find a place for him. Throw him in. And here's the other thing, and I feel terrible for Didi Gregorius in this whole thing. He's a free agent after next year. Yeah. So he's going to go, and, and he's had two fantastic seasons in a row, and now he's going to get Tommy John surgery, and he was primed for a nice payday from the Yankees or from somebody else, and now he's going to miss half or most of next season. I mean, that just that sucks. That, that's just terrible timing for him to be back in June. Like to me, that seems like very, that seems very a aggressive. very aggressive timeline to have him back in June. But we'll we'll wait to see. And the fact that it's so you know open ended and it's a three month span again. I would you know we saw what they did with Aaron Judge. Oh, he'll only miss three weeks, and then three weeks <laughs> turned into six weeks. Yeah, right, and double that. Um, so. I I don't know. I think you got to go in with the thought that hey, he's not going to be around and if he comes back, great. And if he doesn't, you I mean you have to have uh, you have to have a plan in place that, I think you need, that you play the whole year without him I and then if that need, change is great. You need a legitimate yeah. replacement. Yes. And whether that is whether that is shifting Glaber Torres over to short, okay, fine. Now you need a second baseman. Like I th- I think that you need to go into next season with legitimate replacements. Don't just say, "Eh, we'll play Tyler Wade or we'll play yeah, uh for you know, sure. we'll get through it. We'll play T- Tyler Wade or we'll play Ronald Torres for a month like they tried to do at the beginning of this year when when they knew they had Glaber Torres coming in a month. I don't think that you do it that same way next year. And maybe that means Neil Walker. Maybe you think that Neil Walker if he's playing every day can be a productive player for you, which he showed when he was getting consistent at bats. I don't think that you go into next year though saying, "Hey, Tyler Wade, here's your shot." Like, no, we've we've been there, done that already. We've seen that that play itself out. I think you need a a legit solution, whether that's Machado at at short, whether that's Torres at short and Machado at third, or Torres at short and finding an answer at second and doing whatever you need to do. You need a legitimate solution to this injury. Position wise, Machado makes a lot of sense, but you could also spin it batting wise or, or lineup wise. 
then now you need a lefty bet because Didi Gregoris was your one lefty bet you could count on. It's tough to say Greg Bird that you can count on to, to fulfill that. So maybe you could spin into saying now Bryce Harper becomes someone that they become interested in. I don't think so. I, Lineup-wise, no, that yeah, would make but, sense. But it doesn't because lineup-wise... Position-wise, no. Posi- lineup-wise, no, yes. No, it doesn't. It does not make sense because position-wise and lineup-wise are the same thing. But and, you need a lefty bet now. Okay, but that's not the answer because you've already got $75 million or, or $50, $60 million tied up in your outfield in Aaron Judge... Uh, Giancarlo Stan, Aaron Hicks, and Jacoby Ellsbury, plus a fifth outfielder that you're going to have because you don't trust Jacoby Ellsbury for anything. So you've already got sixty plus million dollars tied up in your outfield. So you're not going to go sign uh, a, a Bryce Harper for twenty five million dollars next year, and you also don't have anywhere to play him. So that that is that is not the answer to me. The answer is finding some kind of alternative in the infield to go play. Whether that is just saying, "Hey, Neil Walker, we're going to ride with you as our second baseman for a full season." Or going out and finding some kind of trade alternative. The lefty bat thing, I think, is where you hope Greg Bird would be a viable alternative. You can't count on it, but you have to hope. Or you you find a left-handed hitting second baseman. We were talking about this off-air, Tommy, that Aaron Boone said today that Greg Bird, uh, at the moment anyway, is behind Luke Voigt. That Luke Voigt has the edge on him uh, to to win that first base job. And, and you know... You can't count on Greg Bird right now, and, and to Seth's point, you hope that he turns into a reliable bat, but right now he is he is far from reliable. So, Eli Manning had another terrible game. Yes, he did. Last night. He's got two Super Bowls. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that he probably was going to make the Hall of Fame. Do you guys was think... It, was it a foregone conclusion? Two rings, mm, I think, close look, to it. Look, I think he's a Hall of... I I had the idea that he was a Hall of Famer. I think that as a, a two-time Super Bowl winner, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and I and I use this on borderline Hall of Fame candidates. Can you tell the story of the era without that player? And quite honestly, you can't tell the story of this last twenty years in the NFL without Eli Manning, yeah. considering the two teams he beat in the Super Bowl. But was it like slam dunk that he was going to be in? I don't I think, think so. it was. I, think I so don't it think was. it was. I think he was a very borderline Hall of Here, Famer. Here's the thing, if if you think he still gets in, then at that point he was a slam dunk Hall of Famer because he, all he's done since 2011 is hurt his case. Yes. So, yeah, I think in order for him to get in, you better have thought he was a slam dunk Hall of Famer back then because he has done nothing to help his case. He has only taken away from his resume. You look at since that second Super Bowl title, his record is 43-58. and 58. He's 15 games below 500. I know it's not all him. I know there's a team around him. He's he's had one playoff game since then. It was a lopsided loss. He 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 has taken away from his Hall of Fame resume. I still think he gets in as well. I I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's got the two Super Bowls, the two MVPs, the teams he beat, as you mentioned. You know, beat the Patriots, beat that historic Patriots team. I think he gets in too. Um, but he's not doing himself any favors. No, he's not. I I think. I think he's probably a Hall of Famer at the end of the day. I don't know that it's an easy, an easy in, right? I, I think he's very much on the borderline. I think he's very much, you know, going to be that guy who you look at and you're like, well, the career numbers are there. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like in, he's going to take him a couple of tries. He's right. not getting in on the first, second, third year. It's going to take him a little That's while. That's fair. But what I will say is, you know, he retires in whatever, a year or two, whenever he walks away, and then five years go by, and then it's time for Eli Manning to be, you know, considered. 
and you look at the numbers, and I, I and, and they're all it, there. And the this whole nonsense of how the career is coming to an end, to some degree, I think that's going to fade away. And you're going to look at the resume as a whole, and you're going to say, "Yep, he's a Hall of Famer." And you know his his longevity and the fact that you know he was virtually never hurt, and he was always out there, and his stats are going to be gaudy, and he's going to have the two Super Bowls and the two MVPs. I think at the end of the day, he gets in. I mean, Donovan McNabb is under consideration. And Eli's, Eli's resume got a far is better chance way better. Exactly, his his res- resume is way better than McNabb's. I think Eli gets in. It's it's unfortunate though how how this thing is coming to an end. Which Eli Manning will you remember? Is no, you always remember the good one. You don't remember with any player. You don't remember the bad one. You don't remember Johnny Unitas bumbling around with with the Chargers. You don't remember Joe Namath bumbling around with the Rams. You don't remember Willie Mays falling over himself in center field with the Mets. You remember the good. You remember the, the good more time times that goes the, by, right? Yes. You remember the good time of the players. You don't remember the the stumbling over themselves, not knowing what to do at the end of the career. That's you're, fair. You're gonna remember him beating the Patriots twice. You're not gonna remember what happened last night. Has there been more bad times of Eli Manning than more good times of him? That's yes, a, is, that's an intriguing question. That is, a, you can make the argument. Yes. Yeah. You could probably make the argument. Yes. His highs obviously have more value, but there has you could argue there's been more low points in Eli Manning's career than high points. He hasn't won a playoff game outside of the two Super Bowl runs. Yeah, but he got two Super Bowls I know. for you. Oh, I know. For sure. Hey, yeah. I mean, it's hard look, to overlook I'm the, that. I'm the Giants fan sitting here saying at the end of the day, he's the best quarterback that has ever played in a Giants uniform. Like At the end of the day, you take that and you run with it. He is the best quarterback to put on a New York Giants uniform and helmet. Uh, he got two Super Bowls, but I, I mean, he's 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 also had his share of, you know, bad times. He's been bad more than he's been good. He's getting in. He's I think probably, he is too. Probably. He's probably a Hall of Famer. He's definitely getting his... Uh, his number retired. He's yeah. definitely honor. going up in the his ring of honor. His resume is Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah. It is. All right, that's today's business. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services. Visit gsacpas.com. Quick break. We'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.